Hey everybody, we're back with another exciting episode, and uh, as per usual, we are continuing our uh, watch through of the different Best Picture nominees this year, and this week we watched another one. Paige, what did we watch? We watched Elvis. We watched Elvis, uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann. Um, it is nominated for several things. Eight things, Eight to be exact. Things. Eight different things. It is nominated for Best Motion Picture, uh, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Sound, Actor in a Leading Role, Cinematography, Costume Design, Film Editing, and Production Design. How many of those things do you think it deserves to be nominated for? I think it deserves... um, Best Actor in a Leading Role. Okay. I think Austin Butler definitely deserves that nomination. I can get behind that. Um, I don't really know that I agree with many of the other nominations. Yeah, I feel like makeup and hairstyling, there was a lot of it, but... But you didn't have to be that creative. Yeah, I... In, like, makeup and costuming, like... I, I feel Your like... subject matter was decided upon for you. Yeah, I feel like that's a very interesting thing because every year there is going to be at least one period piece uh, nominated. Dang it. There's going to be at least one period piece nominated for makeup and hairstyling because making sure that it's accurate and stuff, it takes a lot of research, takes a lot of um, knowledge of the hairstyles of the time in order to get it to look right because there are those people who know the time periods pretty damn well and if they go in and see something not authentic or correct to that time period they're gonna freak out and so yeah the the i i recognize that it's nominated for makeup and hairstyling i hope it doesn't get it agreed Um, i i recognize that the makeup for tom hanks was extensive I felt like, it, and maybe this was a uh, character choice from Tom Hanks, but he felt so stiff. Like he yeah. was barely moving his mouth and stuff. And maybe that's just how um, that man spoke and, and talked and stuff. Maybe he just didn't move his, his face that much. But yeah, uh, Tom Hanks felt really wooden. And I, uh, I I had a rough time watching Tom Hanks in this. Same. I'm a big Tom Hanks fan. I think he's a really, really good actor. Um, this was not fun no. to watch. And I just remember finishing this movie and being like, really? You think this is one of the best of the year? Yeah. I feel like this is... Like, Austin Butler did a phenomenal job as Elvis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But do not confuse a great performance from your lead actor for one of the best films of the year. Yeah. And no matter what, I I wholeheartedly believe this movie will be forgotten. Oh, I hope it will be. This is not going to be one of those autobiographies that people talk about for years and years to come. Um, I still, every once in a while, talk about Straight Outta Compton or... Uh, I haven't seen it, but people every once in a while will talk about Walk the Line, the mm-hmm. Johnny Cash. 
I feel like this is not good enough to stand the test of time. I feel like it's going to fall by the wayside like Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man and I want to dance with somebody. And having seen, I, I still haven't seen Rocket Man, um, but I did see Bohemian Rhapsody. I haven't seen, uh, you said I want to dance with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen those two, but I would say I feel like Bohemian Rhapsody did a better job of telling the story of Queen than this did in telling the story of Elvis. I will say, as a precursor to this episode, mm-hmm. number one, I'm not a huge Elvis fan. Yeah. Number two, I'm not a huge Baz Luhrmann fan. Yeah. So I think if somebody is a fan of those two variables, this movie may have hit with them. It Maybe. missed for me. Yeah, and I feel like... There are plenty of times I'll watch a movie like this and I'm able to go in and say, I really don't know too much about the story that's that's being told. I am not familiar with this artist or the life and times they lived in. And I come out and I go, wow, now I know a lot more. So much so that I now want to look into their mm-hmm. career. With this, um, every once in a while there was a song that I went, Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I do know that one. Yeah. But I didn't end the movie and be like, I'm going to start looking up Elvis on Spotify tomorrow. Yeah. I don't care. Um, One thing that I feel like Elvis, uh, obviously it's part of his styling, and I'm not going to say it's bad, but I've always had a hard time understanding the lyrics that Elvis is singing. Yes. Usually, if you have a, a hard time with understanding the lyrics of, of a song, once they make a movie out of it, the movie somehow highlights the lyrics themselves, so it's slightly easier to understand what was being said. Not with this. Thank were, goodness for subtitles. Yeah, I feel like the subtitles were the only reason I understood what was being sung in the, in the music. Um, I feel like this movie... First of all, it was so long. This was ludicrously long. This it, well, movie... no, it wasn't. It, I wouldn't say it was ludicrously long. I would say it felt it felt ludicrously yeah. long. There's one point while we were watching it that I was like, "How long do we have left in it, this movie?" I was, assuming... and you looked, and we had an hour left. Yeah, I was assuming we were pretty close to the end, and it was just gonna like really run quickly through the last portion of his life it didn't and we were just past the halfway point i got to a point towards the end where i googled how did elvis die and i saw okay he died at 42 he died of a heart attack that they assumed was caused by the pills he was taking and his vegas residency was at the end of his life and i was like hallelujah he's in vegas yeah um a couple things uh, I will say after that moment when we realized there was still an hour left to go, it seemed like the story picked up a lot more. Okay. I, I didn't find that last hour to be nearly as long as the as what we had already watched. It felt like this movie needed so much more editing. Yeah. It felt like Baz Luhrmann wanted to do too much. It felt yeah. like he wanted to 
highlight every Elvis song he possibly could Mm -hmm. while also highlighting every detail of his life. But at the same time... But not editing any of it. It didn't even feel like he highlighted any Elvis songs. It just felt like he showed Elvis doing them. But like, uh, for... Again, I'm gonna... I really do love... um, uh, straight out of Compton, so I'm going to keep uh, pointing back to that, referencing that. But uh, the the sequence where they write F the police is a really incredible scene. It puts on display exactly what they were experiencing that inspired the writing of that song. It shows the band like reading through the lyrics for the first time and recognizing they were about to do something extremely ballsy and then it shows them without hesitation getting in the recording booth and recording that thing and and then it shows all the controversy that that one song caused for them i can't think of a single song in elvis that was like and then he experienced this, so he wrote that. And once he wrote that, it was important in this way and this way. And now we're going to show how the world reacted to that song. No, it just... Baz Luhrmann just showed Elvis performing his songs. Yeah, another... But there con- was no, like... There it, was no, like, storyline connecting it. It just felt yeah. like there was a bunch of scenes just strung together. Yeah. It did not feel cohesive to me. Yeah, it, it really felt like... Um, there's the, the, um, old saying like Jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. This felt like Baz Luhrmann wanted to tell you a little bit of everything. So he wasn't willing to leave anything out. And because of that, he didn't tell you anything clearly, but he mentioned every single thing. And the really confusing part to me was like, as it started being narrated by Tom Hanks, who was playing the Colonel. Mm Mm-hmm. It made you feel like there was going to be some, like, redemption arc of the colonel. Yeah. A piece of his dialogue, he says something along the lines of, some people will say I'm the villain of this story. And I was like, oh, so you're sort of so a misunderstood guy. Be. No, apparently he is. No, apparently he is the asshole. He's an absolute dick pile. Just, But, like, holy why shit. would you make a movie about Elvis? And have it narrated by the villain of the story. Yeah. And the fucking accent that Tom Hanks did in this role. What the hell was that? I still need to... I I want to look up videos of the real Colonel Tom Parker. Something like that, Whatever his name is. Um, Just to hear what he actually sounded like. Because there's a chance I'll look it up and be like, oh, actually... Um, Tom Hanks was doing a great job, apparently. I didn't know that. But it felt unwatchable yeah. when he was on screen, especially when he was aged to be really old. Yeah, that was rough. I just, I did not, I don't know why Baz Luhrmann took that route with yeah. it. Like, if you want to tell a story about Elvis, you can tell it in such a different way. Yeah. Um, and then they, they showed like this big house that he moves into and then just like kind of keep cutting back to it. Um, it almost felt 
sort of uh, similar to at some point. Um, shoot, I, I have no recollection of what the guy's name is, but um, the person that um, Denzel Washington plays in American Gangster at some point through his criminal endeavors he gets a lot of money and this kid who grew up on the streets suddenly buys this massive mansion for his whole family and it's like an incredible sequence um and then yeah that they have this iconic house for the entire rest of the movie and in this well, and i mean in real life graceland is a big iconic place okay like that's still i am pretty sure still like a museum okay i could see that for elvis and all of his stuff. But yeah, something about the way they shot the house in this movie, it was always just like, remember there's a house. But it never really seemed impressive to me. I don't know. Um, Another thing was when they weren't using Elvis songs. Mm-hmm. Oh. They were using like Doja Cat. And I think there was a Backstreet Boys song in there at one point. Really? Um, yeah, they used a weird amount of like modern day uh, hip hop and rap and stuff. And then at one point, uh, I think it was, uh, I can't help falling in love with you. They used like a cover of it. Yeah. They used a cover of an Elvis song in a movie about Elvis. It was really, really bizarre. So many bizarre choices in this film. It feels so Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, okay, so I have never seen, okay, I think I may have sat all the way through Great Gatsby once, but I don't really remember it, but I have not gotten all the way through Moulin Rouge, I've never seen Romeo plus Juliet, um, but I've seen a, a substantial amount of Moulin Rouge. I'm basing I, this judgment off of Moulin Rouge. Okay, um, I feel like Moulin Rouge is a lot worse visually than this one. However, there are certain sequences that it seems like he's he's going hard Baz Luhrmann, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Moulin Rouge is a is an absolute assault upon the senses. Yeah, at least there are some redeeming qualities about it, though. Are there? Like, okay. But yeah, Elvis was just. Yeah, every I'm once in a while it gets really in your face. Yeah. As to why it's such a big deal. Yeah, and the whole best cinematography. No. It had unique cinematography. It had interesting cinematography. Doesn't mean good, though. Just because Baz Luhrmann puts cameras in places that most people wouldn't. I could maybe get behind film editing for this one. Because there were some of the the side-by-side shots and some of the transitions and... But even then, like something we said earlier, this movie feels so long and it feels like it needed to be edited down. I didn't say I could get behind it winning film editing. Yeah. I said I could maybe get behind the nomination of film editing. Yeah, I I feel like it had this bizarre, uh, simultaneous, terrible film editing in a lot of regards and very interesting film editing in other regards. But I, I feel like um, the, the poor decisions made should be enough to lose at a nomination. I certainly hope it doesn't win. Um, 
I can't say I'm rooting for this to win very much. Yeah. Um, I do. I will die on the hill of Austin Butler did a great job. Okay. But I know he's also up against Brandon Fraser in The Whale, which yeah. we have not watched yet, but I've heard great things about. Yeah. Uh, without knowing that much about The Whale, I am really pulling for Brendan Fraser to win that. Um, because, let's see, full list of best lead actor, Austin Butler, uh, Colin Farrell and Banshees, Colin Farrell and... Or, Brendan Fraser in, in The Whale, uh, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and Bill Nye in Living. Granted, we have not seen The Whale, After Sun, or Living. Yeah. Um, I think... I do love Bill Nye. Yeah, same. Bill Nye is phenomenal. Do we um, know who Paul Mescal is? I'm not recognizing it by name. Okay. Um, but... Uh, Colin Farrell did do a really good job of playing the character he played in Banshees. I don't think he did better than Austin Butler did in Elvis. I don't think he did either. Um, And, yeah. Um, But I think I mentioned this in passing or so uh, in the Banshees episode, but uh, seeing a guy start out the film very happy-go-lucky and optimistic and ending the film very pessimistic and full of hatred and bitterness and watching an actor in a very talented way with with uh, a lot of precision portray that character arc that character progression mm-hmm. i thought colin farrell did do a really good job but yeah i don't think it's the best of the year um and i don't think it's better than austin butler yeah um i think austin butler did do a really, really good job with this. Um, I will reserve judgment until... Final judgment, I guess. Until after we have seen the whale. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll be fully honest. Without having seen the whale, uh, just from having seen trailers, I, I do think Brendan Fraser's uh, performance looks very um, impressive. However, a lot of that desire for him to win does come from just me really wanting to see Brendan Fraser get a win. Same. I I grew up loving that guy as an actor and he really really got shafted for a very long time in Hollywood. So if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. at the Golden Globes, okay. Both Austin Butler and Brendan Fraser won. Did they both win? Because I think again, don't quote me on this one. I think the Golden Globes separates it into different categories. I know they do separate it into different categories, and I know Brendan Fraser won. I I know Austin Butler won as well. Do you? Okay. So obviously The Whale and Elvis were put in two different categories because they both walked yeah. away with awards. Okay. Um. So, yeah, it'll be interesting Sorry, to see. Sorry, we don't follow the Golden Globes yeah. nearly as closely as we follow the Oscars. So, um, if you do, please correct us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting how that plays out. Um, one thing that I took note on, uh, the, like, flashback sequence at the very beginning, 
it just like seeing a young Elvis. Oh yeah. It doesn't do much for the story. It's just like back when he was a child, Elvis read a comic book and heard music once. Yeah, it's anyways. Like, you have to understand his connection to black people and like that culture and their mm-hmm. music. But it yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah, it, I feel like it's an interesting piece of information to give me. And Baz Luhrmann just did a terrible job at telling it to me. Like the, I don't think the young Elvis actor has a single line of dialogue. Hmm. I don't remember him talking at all. He may, but if he does have any dialogue, it's not much. So, um, and then they keep referencing the fact that he really liked uh, Captain Marvel from DC. Yeah. And it was like, uh, just just okay. tell us he likes comics. Yeah. Even then, you, you could easily leave out the fact that he liked comics. That is not affecting your overall story. Leave that out. It's fine. And instead, give me more, like, paint the picture more of his upbringing. Yeah, I feel like you could have told his story in a much more compelling way. Yeah. Because there are pieces of his story that are very tragic mm-hmm. and that you know the exploitation of the colonel and all the shit that Elvis had to do for him and like his hard upbringing with his dad going in and out of jail and like yeah all of that like you could have built the character of Elvis you could have helped your audience feel something about him but I got to the end of the movie and I was like, okay. Yeah. He took a lot of pills. His wife left him. He got fat. He had a heart attack and he died. Yeah. Like, I didn't have any emotion behind it. Like, I wasn't rooting for Elvis to win. Mm-hmm. I I didn't care. And I feel like uh, they tell us Elvis got fatter. And they change a little bit about Austin Butler's appearance. But I've seen, like, the later Elvis. Yeah. He got big. He did. And I would not say that Elvis at the end of the movie Elvis is that big. They really just... Instead of giving him a fat suit, they, like, wrote a fat suit into the dialogue. And, like, they just had, care, like, yeah. the radio be like, Elvis's waistline is growing. Yeah. And that was it. And, like... It's been interesting, too, as I've been reading some other reviews on this movie. It seems like most people mm-hmm. are on our same page. Yeah. That are, like, everyone's just really confused. I saw one review that was, like, this movie was written like a trailer but okay. that it yeah. lasted for almost three hours mm-hmm. and just overall like not understanding the hype behind it there are some that are like this is amazing i love this and it's like why yeah i i would really love to talk to somebody who liked this movie mm-hmm. because i want to understand 
I... I don't currently understand. Yeah. Uh, there are some massive, massive Elvis fans out there. Yeah. Like, die hard, ride or dies. Um, and so just knowing how big of a fan base Elvis has, even to today... And then having a major motion picture be made about the life and times and career of Elvis Presley and having that be big enough to get nominated for Academy Awards. I am hearing crickets from the Elvis fan base, which means you made a pretty shitty movie, I'm pretty sure. I think it's all the Elvis fans mm-hmm. that are giving it the shit reviews. I would assume so. But yeah. I, so, I've seen multiple that are like, stay home and listen to Elvis on Spotify. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what you said, I would like to hear the perspective of someone who truly loved this movie. I would also love to hear the perspective of a really big deal Elvis fan. And how do you... I think I like that opinion more, actually. Did you go into this movie already knowing a lot about the life and times and career of Elvis? And then you saw this movie and you were like, I could have told it better. Or, um... I feel like almost anyone could have told it better. Like... Yeah. Um... It it really felt like Baz Luhrmann put his style ahead of the story he was telling like the the story he needed to tell suffered because he was too he couldn't get his ego out of the way yeah yeah um so and it suffers it it, truly does yeah and i think it's pretty offensive that the academy is so obsessed with baz lerman that they're too blinded by those two words, Baz and Lerman. They're too blinded by that to truly judge whether or not it's a good movie. Yeah. Because this isn't. I would kind of like to know what Priscilla thinks. Oh, is that his daughter? His wife. His wife. Is she still alive? I believe she is. His oh, daughter wow. just recently died like I, I a couple that. weeks ago. Yeah. She was at the Golden Globes, and then, like, the next day or the couple days after, she passed away. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure Priscilla's still alive. Okay. Yeah, that would be very interesting. I'm going to Google it. What she thinks. Um, Yeah, a a couple other just things that I found. Um, They kept showing. She is. Wait. Priscilla. Yeah, she's alive. Okay. Has she seen the movie? I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. But she's alive. Okay. I'm going to keep trying to make my point. Um, So they kept showing moments in like, I would assume it was New Orleans or something, but like um, a very uh, African-American part of the United States. And they kept showing people singing songs about like hound dogs and stuff. But they never showed a moment where Elvis heard that music and said, oh, wow, I like the way they're singing about hound dogs. I'm going to write a song called Hound Dog. It just sort of like, as an audience, I was supposed to assume that it was done through osmosis. 
that he just like absorbed the concept of hound dogs being central to a song and suddenly his song just came to be um yeah thought that was really really dumb um it's funny when we talk about movies we don't like i feel like we uh we get through the episode a lot quicker i agree yeah um because yeah i i don't really feel like i have too much else to say no Um, honestly like this movie in my opinion is barely watchable yeah it's long Mm mm-hmm it's, I just think this almost three hours could be spent elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's best picture material. Mm-mm. I just think Baz Luhrmann heavily missed the mark. He, yeah. Um, but oh, I would love to hear what you guys think. Something that you pointed out while we were watching that as soon as you said it, I was like, yes, that it, I couldn't quite put my finger on it but absolutely and that was uh they spent way too much time one every time elvis walks on stage to do a concert the movie wants to show you the entirety of that concert Mm -hmm. and they spend way too much time with elvis on stage instead of showing what happened in between and it like i keep Referring back to Straight Outta Compton, they definitely show NWA on stage performing. But when they do, they show you part of this song, part of that song, part of a third song, done. And now you know they performed there. Here's how the audience reacted to some of their songs and stuff. But it's not... This this one, it seemed like... Every time he steps on stage, they're going to show you the entirety of at least one song. Mm-hmm. And they spend too much time doing that. Well, they had to show all the girls orgasming in the audience. Oh, my gosh. The the way they show, like, Elvis, like, you know, the, the way he would, like, shake on stage and stuff and, like, girls freaked out. I would say that if you're going to make a movie of Elvis you probably should uh, acknowledge and explain to the audience that Elvis created huge waves and created the huge name for himself that he did because he was one of the first to be that sexualized on stage Mm -hmm. and the fact that he kind of sexualized himself on stage. So it wasn't like he was just being sexually exploited by his manager or anything. He did that himself. Okay, your movie should probably hit that note and and um, communicate that information. This film, though, chose to go about that by, like, doing close, close shots on just Austin Butler's crotch as he's shaking around. And, like, instead of just showing girls, like, oh, whoa, and, like, starting to, you know, get a bit rambunctious, they're, like, showing them get there Mm -hmm. in the audience like yeah without getting too risque and specific these these girls experience far too much visually right in front of the camera um i there are so many ways to not expect your actresses to go that far 
and still communicate to me, these girls are into this guy. That's fine. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, if another musical movie about a band from that time period, uh, the movie uh, Hard Day's Night about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Now, that is about the Beatles starring the Beatles, all that stuff. But they show, like, just the girls screaming in the audience. And they just show girls screaming. But it's not, like, slow-mo close-up shots of girls just like, ah, and losing their minds and then you don't have the old ass creepy voice of tom hanks in the background going i watched that girl feel feelings she did not understand herself and it's uh terrible it was terrible it was, so it was creepy it was cringy like um you know when this movie came out in theaters we did not see it because I just, like, didn't really have a desire. Yeah. And I truly never felt the desire to watch it. And then it got nominated for Best Picture, and I was like, okay, maybe we missed something. Mm Mm-hmm. No, we didn't. Yeah. The Academy missed something. Baz Luhrmann is not the end-all, be-all of filmmaking. Yeah. Um. Overall, this movie is a skip. Yeah, very, very skippable. Yeah, don't don't spend your money on it. Yeah, don't. There are times I see movies that are like, you know what? It's it's a crazy enough visual experience. Like, it, even if the story isn't very good, it's worth just the sights. This, no, I wouldn't say that about this one. No, I don't feel the need to stroke the ego of Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. No, thank you. Um. So. I think that's pretty much everything yeah. I have to say about that. Um, do you have a celebrity you want to meet? I do. Oh. Yep. I just saw who you wrote on the board. Yeah. I want to meet Zack Snyder. Oh. I think that dude is I want to meet him with such you. a boss. Yeah. Um, he. I've seen so many of his movies, and I really, really dig them. Uh, I've seen a ton of interviews with him. I've been to Comic-Con panels that he's at. Uh, he always seems like such like such a fanboy. Mm-hmm. Very similar to Kevin Smith. He makes the movies he makes because he loves the subject matter. Um, and he always just wants to make the coolest, dopest movie he can. There are definitely times he's done that, and I don't quite dig it. I was wanting to like, uh, I I wanted to like Sucker Punch a lot more than I ended up liking it, but I still think there's great stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, same goes for uh, the 300 sequel. I still think that the first 300 film is one of the most badass uh, action films of all time. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a phenomenal filmmaker. Every time people bitch and moan about, like every time a new Zack Snyder movie comes out, people go and see it. And then there's always a big group of people that saw it that go, oh my gosh, the amount of uh, slow motion in this movie is just, oh my gosh, if you took out all the slow motion, it would only be five minutes long. It's like handing someone a a Costco-sized container of peanut butter M&Ms. They take one out and they go, oh my gosh, oh, there's peanut butter in this. Oh, that was disgusting. 
and then they have a next one. They go, oh my gosh, there's peanut butter in this one too. Oh, terrible. And then they have another one. And they just keep complaining that there's peanut butter in the fucking peanut butter M&M's. Guys, there's going to be slow motion in a Zack Snyder movie. That's what he does. And he does it really well. And yeah, people just keep on freaking out that he does the one thing that he loves and knows how to do. Um, but he's he's just, he's had such bad experiences in Hollywood and in his personal life the last few years. And he still hasn't given up. Yeah. He's still making uh, Army of the Dead and Army of Thieves and stuff like that. And, uh, and we now, finally got to see Snyder Cut. We Oh my gosh, we finally got to see Snyder Cut. Dude, the, the interviews I've seen of his where he lays out what he had envisioned oh, for the trilogy. Could you imagine if we got to see that? Dude, it was insane. And I've heard conflicting reports well conflicting reports i've heard uh i've heard him say conflicting plot lines where like yeah i wanted to do this and this and this and then at another time and date he says oh yeah and i wanted to do this this and this and there's no way that's going to be the same film and it's like dude any of those i would love to see any of his ideas yeah for a trilogy um and there's been a lot of uh, talk about, you know, sell the Snyderverse to Netflix and let Netflix make the Snyder Cut or the Snyder Trilogy so that we get it and it gets to be separate from the DC mm-hmm. universe going forward. It's never going to happen. I, no. I I feel like it was a long shot getting the Snyder Cut. And I, I remember back but when there we'll was... continue to love Zack Snyder. Oh, yeah. Back when the first hashtags of release the Snyder Cut came out, I was anticipating in the year 2045 or something, Warner Brothers would finally say, you know what, Snyder, do whatever you want, but we don't care. And he would release just the raw footage and it would be full of just green screen and mocap suits and stuff. And like there would be words on the screen of like, explosion right here because mm-hmm. they didn't finish the special effects the fact that we not only got the snyder cut completed but they also got to complete all the special effects and finish filming and do all that stuff and he was able to release a four hour long cut that's beautiful oh my mm-hmm. gosh i love it so much i've, yeah. I've seen it several times now um i love the aspect ratio the imax um look of it um so freaking good and i I would love to just sit down with Zack snyder and just talk yeah oh my gosh i i feel like if he were to be like i wanted to do this with a movie i could maybe be like oh my gosh yeah and wouldn't it be cool if like this and this and he's probably the sort of guy that would be like oh dude that would be so oh my gosh that's a great idea and just the concept of like nerding out and like pitching a movie just alongside Zack Snyder would be so sick. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So yeah. Um now that I've said all of that, Zack Snyder if you're out there, really want to meet you. Paige, do you have anyone that you want to meet? I do. Who do you want to meet? Bill Hader. Oh. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? Yes. Right? Yes. I want to sit down and talk to that man. I love him. He's so great. Barry is incredible. Oh my gosh, yeah. 
It. He's, Amazing. He's great in It Chapter 2. Um, I feel like there's some some great Bill Hader that you still haven't seen. the cheesy Christmas movie, Noel. Yeah. Charming as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, oh my gosh, a very, very small role, but they came together. Yeah. He's the couple at dinner. At dinner, yeah. Yeah, he's great in that. Um, I don't know if it was the first thing I ever saw him in, but it was one of the first, uh, Hot Rod. Yes. The friend with the long hair gets the shrapnel uh, metal launched into his eye. Oh my gosh, that... That is one of the very few times I have, like, fallen off of furniture and cried with laughter from a movie. <laughs> was Bill Hader in Hot Rod. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, I love those movies. Dude, yeah. And then, on top of everything else, every interview he's ever done. So, Hilarious so funny. Shit. Yeah. He's, he's I heard one at those... one point there was rumors that he was dating Anna Kendrick. Oh. I hope those rumors are true. Sure. I would ship that couple so hard. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. pretty sure I've used Anna Kendrick in a previous episode as someone that I want to meet. Yeah? Okay. Um, yeah. Speaking of Noel, speaking of Anna Kendrick, um, Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader are two of those celebrities that are so fun to just watch in interviews and stuff when i'm bored there are times i'll just go onto youtube and just look up like that's all type in to the search bar mm-hmm. it's just anna kendrick or bill Hader, and whatever comes up that's what i'm watching and usually they have me laughing um bill Hader has some phenomenal stuff on snl he also has phenomenal interviews about his time writing for snl mm-hmm. um He's also one of those guys that does a lot of uh, impersonations, but it's not like cringy impersonations where he's like, oh, I'm so amazing. Watch me do these great impersonations. He's just like, yeah, no, like I, I can, I can do a pretty good one. Um, yeah. Love Bill Hader. Holy shit. Great choice. Thank great you. Choice. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you want to switch up the platform you're listening mm-hmm. to us on, you can listen. Oh. <laughs> I just got a hiccup. <laughs> Did you hear that? That was so bizarre. <laughs> that was bizarre. You like inhaled through it. You're like, <gasps> or I don't. It was weird. Yeah. I don't I don't think I could replicate that if I tried. Yeah. It like, there was like an implosion in your <laughs> chest. Anyways, yeah. I'm going to try this list again. One more time. You can Last listen chance. to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Yes, you can. You can also follow us on Instagram. On Instagram, we're known as the.real.couple. It's just like the title of our podcast, but with dots between words. Yep. So, follow us on there. Tell your friends about us. Uh, subscribe to our podcast if you're not already subscribed. Give us some likes. Give us some reviews. Mm-hmm. Give us some shares. Yeah. Share us with your friends. Uh, tell your friends. Tell them, uh, hey, there's two idiots with a podcast who don't know what they're talking about, and I disagree with everything they say, but they're fun. And We are fun. We are. We're so fun. We're lovable. Damn it. Um, so, yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. We love you. We do. 
We love you so much. Have a great day. Yep. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Yes, we will. Yeah. Do we want to give a hint as to what it's going to be? No, let's keep them guessing. Okay. Um, I think that's all I've got. Okay, bye. Bye.